Hello and welcome to Kabam Mavs. I'm your host, Jesse Matarazzo, and today we're going to break down the back-to-back wins against the Memphis Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics, Luka Heroics, Kristaps Porzingis rumors, the second half to the schedule, and a bunch more. Let's get it popping. So I am back after a little bit of a hiatus. I usually do uh, episodes after every single win, and I'm still going to plan to do that. However, we had a bit of a snow apocalypse going on where I didn't have any electricity or water or internet. We did not have gas, gas stations. We didn't have grocery stores or food open. We had a bit of a crisis here in Texas. Uh, temperatures going below um, they've ever been before across the state in the history of recorded weather. And uh, a lot of infrastructure just kind of broke down. We definitely didn't weatherproof properly and uh yeah so it was a post-apocalyptic situation uh, we're all back and up and running at least in my area a lot of people are still struggling with uh broken um refrigerators and busted pipes and all sorts of other stuff so shout out to all of those guys if you ever have a chance to help anybody in the crisis uh, if you're in the texas area i do definitely uh try to you know donate as much as you can um, of your time or whatever you have to those people. Anyway, let's get into the Dallas Mavericks. They won back-to-back games against Memphis and the Boston Celtics. Luka had had some absolute heroics. Jalen Brunson has been absolutely on fire, and we're going to uh, dedicate a whole segment to Jalen Brunson uh, for his hard work and effort. Uh, Christoph Porzingis has been out. Uh, they had a week off with some having to do with the winter storm, some having to do with some COVID protocol stuff, but um, the Mavericks have had basically a mini camp uh, for the week where they were not playing, and uh, there was, uh, I guess, uh, KP went a little too hard because he's got some tightness in his back. Now, the internet is going absolutely crazy with this. I'm going to get into all that, but I want to focus on the games first. Um, the Dallas Mavericks beat the Memphis Grizzlies 92-102. to Played really good defense on Memphis, although Memphis just isn't playing very well. And um, they've had some shooting woes of late. Uh, Doncic had probably his uh, most meh game in recent memory with 21-7-5. Uh, 18 of 8 and 3 of 10 from 3 point, but he was just 2 of 9 from the free throw line. I don't know what is going on there, uh, but he bounced back in this next game. We'll get into that in a second. Five, uh, uh, he was a plus 5 in the game. We were winning this game handily uh, for most of the game. They kind of cut it to 10 at the end, but it was really no contest whatsoever. I thought Josh Richardson played very well with 17.7 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, three seven from three, and um, you know Dwight Powell actually played well. Credit to him; he was he was out there rim running and getting his buckets six uh, six points. But I mean, he uh, was perfect from the free throw line at two of two. I, I just liked his game that that game, and he was a plus ten in the game. Uh, held his own defensively in a lot of possessions. Tim Hardaway Jr. was probably the best player on the court la- uh, that night. Uh, Twenty nine points. Four rebounds, um, 7-11 three-point shooting. Jeez. The dude is just insane when he's on and just checked out when he's off. So um, plus three in that game. 
liked his stuff. Jalen Brunson in 28 minutes, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 7 for 11 from the field, 205 from 3. The dude is shooting 41% from uh, 3 this season. Um, And a little bit of a teaser. I'm making my case for Jalen Brunson over Tyler Hero. Wait for that. Um, I really liked what he did. He was a plus 6 to lead all of the bench. Um, I just really like this game. It was just pure dominance. Uh, that's about it. I was talking to um, Sean Coleman of the Locked On Memphis Grizzlies podcast from the Locked On Network. And, um, you know, he's a huge Grizzlies fan. He just said, I mean, they just did not have it. And uh, uh, it was just, they, they have a little bit of a woe shooting right now. Hopefully they get big back into it. I like the Grizzlies, and if you like the Grizzlies, checked out check out Sean Coleman on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. That's some really good stuff there. He's uh, my go-to when I want any sort of Grizzlies information. So check Sean Coleman out there. Um, also, uh, some interesting notes in this time: Tyrell Terry, Josh Green, Tyler Bay. And I, I guess Nate Hinton are all in the G League now. Um, they're just—I guess they just were like, "Hey, we're putting all these rookies in the G League. They're gonna—we're gonna see what all they can do." And um, uh, a lot of them, Tyler Bay is killing it. Uh, Tyrell Terry's killing it in there. Josh Green just got in the G League, but I, uh, from what I can tell, he's had um, a really good go of it as well. So I don't really have much information on Hinton. And what's going on with his G League bubble experience. But uh, I would like to add any G League news I can into each episode as I get it. But if you have an opportunity to watch the G League, uh, our, our dudes our dudes are, are going off. Like uh, Tyler Bay is getting like 18 and 8 out there and uh, shooting efficiently. Uh, Tyler Terry is just bossing people. Uh, from deep and doing a lot of really good stuff out there. I think that they may make some, uh, you know, I'll get into the schedule in a second, but they're going to need as many, as much depth as they possibly can in in the coming days uh, and months uh, of this schedule. We have tons of back-to-backs. So I really hope that these guys get some call-ups because I do think they can seriously contribute, uh, can contribute on the court uh, now that they've gotten a little bit more reps and got that confidence back up. So um, let's look out for that. Now let's get into the um, the game versus the Boston Celtics. Now, the Celtics are a good team, but they were struggling. They're still eighth, uh, or I guess they're ninth now in the East. And um, they are having some issues. They've basically, they're now have a worse record than the Mavericks. I don't know what's going on with them, but they have a lot of talent. Um, Tatum and Brown were both selected as All-Stars, as were uh, Luka Doncic as an All-Star starter. I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but that has gone on. So I I think that it's, uh, you know, they have some talent. They have more star talent. Um, I guess they have... uh, Two All Stars. That's two is more than one, right? We have Luca, but uh, I think as far as their contribution off the bench is nothing. Like there's nil there. I think they're maybe tired. I think they're maybe inexperienced. They don't really have the right leadership there. Uh, I think that's really 
what's happening with the Celtics. They just have a, really a lack of leadership. I, I would really like, and no disrespect to Kimba, but I think Kimba may be like a vocal leader in the locker room, but I don't necessarily know if they have a leader on the court. And um, I would really like to see, I'd like to see a Lowry-Kimba swap. I think that that would benefit both teams. And I think uh, Lowry would just be amazing on the Celtics. Uh, provide defense and sort of that sort of leadership on the court as far as making sure everybody's where they need to be and, um, you know, provide a little bit more consistency there. Uh, I know that Lowry is a bit older, but um, at this point, I think that the Celtics need to get off that, uh, you know, they need to get off his money. I think it would be a good trade for both. I think most uh, Celtics fans I talk to and some um, and some Toronto fans as well, because Toronto just needs scoring, honestly. Uh, but this is the Mavericks podcast. Let's get into the Mavericks beating the Boston Celtics 110 to 107. Amazing performance from Luka. Hit two game winners in this game. Uh, was absolutely amazing on that front. Uh, Jalen Brown for the Celtics had 29 points. Tatum had 28. Um, and, you know, 29, 7, and 5 for Brown. Tatum, 28, 6, and 4. Uh, pretty, you know, pretty pedestrian, like standard numbers for them. Not pedestrian, sorry. Uh, Kimball Walker had 21 points as well. I mean, they had three guys that were were getting buckets. It was just the rest of the roster was just like not a burgers, nothing. It was just a lot of uh, low quality help. 0 for 2 from Tice, who got uh, one of the first game winner uh, on him. And then uh, Ness, Nesmith, who got another game winner from him, was also uh, nothing in 22 minutes. So uh, that is just, they just don't have enough help. They got, they got two good players and or three good players and a lot of question marks, really. Um, Tristan Thompson did have eight and 10. I'll give him that on the, on the Mavericks side, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith also in 39 minutes had no points. He was over everything. And, uh, but he was still a plus four. He played good defense. So eh, we'll, we'll take it. Luka Doncic had, uh, Doncic had 31, 10, and 8. Uh, he was 11 for 23. 6 for 8 from 3. The dude was on fire uh, from 3 point and uh, 3 for 4 from the free throw line. So he cleaned up that three foot free throw shooting. I can never say free throw. Uh, it was a plus 5. He had two game winners. And you may be confused when I say two game winners. He had, with 20 seconds left, hit a great 3 on Daniel Tice, um, it was a poor shot selection, but he made it. Um, and Tice was in his face, hit that step back three to drain it, to put the Mavericks up. But he left a little too much time on the clock, and they were able to get a bucket down the, down the the on the other side. So what did Luka do? He came back and then hit a three-point shot in two defenders' faces to win with uh, 0.01 seconds left on the clock or something like that. Basically, it was over. Uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing display. He just absolutely took over the game. Um, it was really awesome to see. Um, he got a lot of national recognition, and it really helped him in the 
uh, all-star argument for who should be starting in the all-star game. I think he kind of shut down that sort of debate. He He's just been playing phenomenal. Uh, even a, uh, aside from the amount of, uh, um, you know, success he's had in this game, in the last six, seven games, he's been absolutely on fire, shooting above 50% from three, uh, super efficient on the year he's now brought himself up to on 20 in 2021 he's brought himself up to uh 37 almost 38 percent from three and um and uh you know now he's up to 35 percent on the season so um he and he's shooting over 50 percent in the the last couple weeks so i uh think he's really figured out that sort of um you know three-point shooting part of his game I think now it's more of being more consistent shooting, uh, being more uh, consistent defending, and really Luca is looking like he's going to project to be a really complete player if he just keeps on this trajectory. So, and when I say complete player, I mean, look, he's hitting threes, he's uh, rebounding, he's one of the better rebounders in the league, um, statistically and and just. As far as effort goes, you know, get offensive rebounds. It's not just the defensive rebound. I'm going to take it down. He's fighting for rebounds. He's beating centers for rebounds. So I don't want to hear this talk of him stab padding. He's taking the rebounds that he needs because he's going right down the court and and getting offense. So, and with the assists, he's one of the best passers in the league. He's uh, up there in total assists. I think he's one or two in total assists this season. Um, really playmaking for a lot of the guys. Now, some of those shots aren't hitting, but uh, he's getting them wide open looks. And uh, now they may not have as much space as they did last year, but he is just playing absolutely uh, amazing as far as dissecting uh, the defense uh, that he's playing. So you got to give him his credit. And then you talk about scoring. He's now scoring on three levels. He can get to the basket. He's refined that mid-range game where he's shooting over 70% in certain spots in the mid-range. When you when he gets to his spot, he's making them. And then he's hitting his threes. Now he's taking harder shots, but he's also incorporating um, some uh, catch and shoot. He had a catch and shoot shot tonight. Um, he's adding a little bit more of that. He's He's lessening the amount of three points he's taking in the game, and he's hitting them. Uh, he's getting better looks, and he's he's cleaning that up. And he's playing uh, pretty good defense. He's an above-average defender in the league. So um, I really think that he's adding a lot to that game. Plus, uh, I want to give a shout-out to my friend uh, Shravan on Twitter and in Locker Room. He made a really good point the other night. He basically said that you need to give, um, you know, you need to give players a couple of years before you can judge them defensively. And I think we've given him a couple of years and he's, he's stepped it up defensively. So I think he does project to be a good defender in this league for a couple of reasons. One, he's very strong and he's got good footwork. So when you're strong and you have good footwork, you can defend in the mid-range and around the basket. And he's always really been pretty solid there, but he's gotten a lot better uh, as far as his defensive positioning um, getting to uh, his rotations on defense and just having the strength to be able to hold his own against people trying to back him down. People don't try to back him down as much anymore. He's able to get his hand in people's faces. So, um, yes, he's going to get blown by by smaller guards um, 
you know, uh, on the perimeter because of his lack of lateral quickness, but his footwork make, makes up for it. And to be honest, how many six, seven, six, eight dudes that are that big are going uh, to not get blown by on the perimeter by a Dame or a Steph or whoever. So um, as long as he's guarding wings, like most wings will, uh, he's a very above average defender and at times a very good defender. So, um, and I think he proved that in the playoffs last, last year, he's, definitely proven it this year and uh, the Mavericks are better when uh, they're playing good defense Luke has never been the liability it's been players like Kristaps and some other things like that so I think Luke is a, a complete player and I'd like to pivot into Kristaps uh, in a second but I want to get into the rest of this you know game Brunson had 22 points in the game uh, two rebounds two assists he was very efficient, five for seven from three. He's now shooting 41% from three. Um, you know, only two turnovers. Uh, I think, well, that's not great. Two assists, two turnovers is not good, but he was a plus six. Um, didn't really get into the whole facilitation. He was just playing very good offensive basketball. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. was 0 for 8 from three uh, after that amazing <laughs> game the day before. It's like, it's night and day. He, he gives you... Um, 11 threes in a game, and then he's going to give you nothing. So uh, I'll take it, though. You know, it's nice to have that. That's a luxury you can uh, manage on the bench. 14 points for Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, Boban. I don't want to finish the stats without talking about Boban. Boban was amazing when he was in the game. He only played 13 minutes as usual, but he had 10 points, 8 rebounds in the game. Uh, He was a plus 13 in this game, and really he contributed to uh, keeping the Mavericks in this ball game and getting them leads for stretches because he was able to play so consistent on there. I don't know if he plays uh, tonight against the 76ers, but I do um, think that he is really good in stretches, and I hope he gets at least 10 minutes uh, in there. So that's the the stats for that. Um, I want to talk about the team stats for a second. Our field goal percentage were pretty much the same. Uh, 39% from three. We're starting to creep up in the three-point percentage now for the team. We were the league's worst. We're starting to get much better. So, um, you know, for the last few games, it's been around the 40 point or 40% mark. Um, and the only thing of note is we did get re- out-rebounded again, 46 to 38, uh, 12 offensive rebounds. We're, they're just, every team is consistently beating us in offensive rebounds, and it's causing us to have really lopsided rebounding numbers. We really need to get some consistent defensive rebounding in there. Luca can only do so much there. Um, So that's it for that. I'm going to take a break real quick, guys. And then when we get back, we're going to get into a lot of things. The state of the Mavericks, um, you know, the state of some of our players, and we're going to break down uh, some of those things. I'm not going to get into trade sort of talk in a deep sense. But I do want to sort of talk about we're starting on the second half of the season here pretty soon. And uh, maybe just like a, a reevaluation of what we need to move around on this team to be successful. So I'll talk to you when we come back. Welcome to the Jalen Brunson segment. Now, I wanted to dedicate a whole segment to Jalen Brunson because he has really been... Uh, playing amazing lately and 
A lot of people were talking really bad on Brunson. I have been a little critical too, uh, but a lot of people were just, at the beginning of the year, were just super down on him. And this goes to show, you know, uh, especially with the Kristaps situation, this goes to show that you can be down on a player one minute and then them just turn things around after a little bit of differences and be an absolute stud. Like, I think Brunson is the second best player on the Mavericks right now and uh, playing really, really good basketball. Um, I tweeted out earlier uh, the points per possession on um, on Jalen Brunson and Tyler Hero. And who would you rather have, Jalen Brunson or Tyler Hero? Now, after first um, hearing of that, you would normally say, oh my God, what are you talking about? Like, obviously... That's a sort of blasphemous sort of, you know, comment there. Uh, but if you really look at it, points per possession, Tyler Hero per 100 possessions, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists on 45, 34, 75 shooting. Jalen Brunson per 100 possessions, 24 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. On 52-41-90. He's in the 50-40-90 club right now. Um, the dude is just playing out of his mind. What a great player. Um, I, I just, uh, I at this point, he's a way more efficient player. Um, scoring the same amount of points per possession, per 100 possessions. Um, better assists. I mean, I don't need him to rebound a lot, so the rebounds are a wash. Um I'm just, I'm super high on him. I think that he's a great player. He's probably our best trade asset at this point. I mean, KP is, but uh, there's just a lot, a lot to praise about Jalen Brunson. And he has been playing just very amazing. I mean, Jordan Clarkson is hands down the best, um, you know, uh, six-man candidate. But I think that we do have two legitimate six-man candidates. on the Mavericks with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Jalen Brunson. I really like what he's bringing to the table on offense. Um, he, he isn't necessarily the facilitator that we thought he was going to be, but that may also have to do with role and, and what Carlisle's wanting him to do, honestly. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think Carlisle necessarily wants to get all of the bench players involved because there's really only three bench players. And I think it's more time for Brunson to just get that offensive uh, output out while he's playing with some other players uh, when typically Luca's off the floor. So it's not like he's facilitating for the second unit. We don't have a second unit. We got three players that play on our bench and the rest are starters. And that may change eventually uh, when we start to have a much more condensed schedule and everybody else has to, you know, play more minutes when we get the rookies back or we're starting to play more Boban or, you know, James Johnson, certain things like that. When that starts to become more of a thing, maybe we're going to say, okay, is Brunson really fitting in with this? But as far as the facilitation, but he's just gotten so much, so much more efficient and uh, just playing out of his mind. So uh, I just wanted to dedicate this whole segment to Jalen Brunson Thank you, my friend. You're coming home into Philly tonight. Please knock it out of the park for us and let's get that W. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more Dallas Mavericks basketball. 
So first I want to address this schedule and I'm not going to go through all the schedule or anything like that. But the first half of the schedule was um, the hardest in the NBA by a opponent field goal percentage. And this second half of the schedule, we have 10 back-to-backs. For reference, most seasons, we are complaining about having 13 back-to-backs in a season. So we have a super condensed schedule. It's something like uh, 37 games in 68 days or something like that. Um, That's super condensed. And condensed is a nice way of saying we have super hard (laughs) schedule because we have tons of back-to-backs. So um, I think that while we have the fourth easiest in opponent field goal percentage, it doesn't matter. These are NBA teams. There's no bad teams in this league this year. And uh, it's going to be very difficult to go up against all these teams with 10 back-to-backs. I mean, we are doing a back-to-back almost every other uh, stretch. So it's going to be super difficult. Um, it's going to be even harder than the beginning of this season, especially if we don't have Christoph Porzingis. So let me get into the Porzingis situation. It's the elephant in the room. I haven't mentioned it at all. And uh, there's lots of rumors, but I really think it comes down to this. It's an amalgamation of a lot of different things coming together and portrayed as one situation where it's not. So there was a rumor months ago before any of the injury stuff. And and to reiterate, Christoph Porzingis is out again tonight um, against the 76ers. Um, They definitely don't. He hasn't been back since they had this stretch. He's been out with back tightness um, and missed both in the back-to-back and then is going to miss tonight against the Sixers. So uh, I don't know when he's coming back. Obviously, if it's a back issue, it should be taken uh, seriously. But uh, the trade uh, machine is working overtime. We may need to oil that trade machine because uh it definitely needs some maintenance a lot of players on or people players a lot of people on twitter they think they're players a lot of people on twitter are saying that we need to trade them for this and that and blah blah blah. well a month ago there was a rumor just a rumor that the golden state warriors were reaching out or we were reaching out to them or whatever and the trade package consists of wiggins a wise men the the first pick that they have from um from Minnesota which will be if if it does convey it will be at least it will be somewhere around the fourth pick or something in the top 5 most likely um so that would be a very high pick and um and they're adding another player for Kristaps so um that's an attractive package I'm not going to lie but if you know anything about the stock market, you never sell low. You need to, you would never trade him after he's just getting back from injury. You don't know what he, you know, he's shown flashes of him being that 37-11 guy that he can just drop those sort of numbers uh, at any given point. And, um, you know, I think it would be extremely foolish to trade him right now. Now, everyone is trying to come up with all these trades and stuff and they're bad-mouthing him and all this other stuff. We need to pump the brakes on the KP talk. I mean, he is 
I know that people are getting flashbacks of Dennis Smith Jr. and his lower back tightness and uh, his sickness or whatever excuse they can get to keep him out of games to explore trade packages and stuff. But unless Christoph Porzingis or his brother or whatever are asking for the trade, I think it would be absolutely foolish to trade him now. Plus, even if they're asking for the trade, you can say, hey, listen, you got two years left with us. Um, we're going to trade you when we're ready to trade you. We're going to wait till next year when we can get way more value out of you. That's just common sense. You do not trade him when his value is the absolute lowest it's ever been in his career. When in a month from now, if you just play him and he's healthy, and I know you can say, oh, the if healthy, but he it's not like he has a, a chronic injury. He's just out right now. Um, when he comes back and he's playing really great, and you know that he's going to get injured again. You trade him when his when he's playing really great and people forget that he's injured all the time. Now, if you can go two months, three months without him getting injured and he's playing out of his mind, and then you get into the offseason after a productive playoff stint where he's a matchup nightmare, and then you say, hey... You know, maybe we'll field some trade talks at the in the off season, or if we strike strike out, um, you know, maybe towards um, the uh, you know towards the draft or whatever. You know, maybe maybe you field some questions at next year's deadline when he's been playing amazing, and you're like, well, you know, maybe we can get more consistency out of someone else. Let people forget that narrative that he's injury prone and get a lot for him. This is a guy that can be a thirty and ten guy. He's proved it before. You know, he's thirty and ten all bubble uh, last year, and that was just when he was in a rhythm. He was in a rhythm. He was playing consistently, and everything was fine. Like you just got to give him a little bit of time. But you don't trade him right now. Yes, you could say, oh, I'm tired of his injuries, all that. You're going to have to stick it out. Because if you go ahead and trade him for a bunch of spare parts, then you are basically telling Luka Doncic, we don't have a plan for the future, and we have no way to get better. Like it or not, KP, yes, he doesn't play consistently, all this stuff. We said the same thing about Joel Embiid, who we're about to play tonight, and he's a 30 and 10 and... All, I mean, he's an MVP candidate, right? And everyone was like, oh, they should trade Embiid and blah, blah, blah. Only a year ago, right? So people have short-term memories. Oh, Embiid can't stay healthy, all this other stuff. Now, granted, I don't think Christos Porzingis is going to be on the level of Embiid. But I do think when uh, a player starts playing really well for a long time, people f- totally forget about the other stuff. All of his criticism, all that other stuff. So... You wait till next deadline. Yeah, if you don't get anything, you got to get them for whatever you can. That's fine. You you trade for what you can and hope for the best. But uh, wasting that opportunity right now by trading them off for spare parts for, for you know, players that uh, may have potential, may not, whatever, uh, that haven't proven anything, I think is foolish. You add talent to him. You add talent in the offseason. You want a John Collins. You don't trade Christoph Przingis for John Collins. You wait and then give Collins a max. And then you can trade Christoph's later after, um, you know, after Luca resigns or whatever. And then you're in good shape. Or you trade him at the deadline and get something when he's playing really well and he's got people forgetting. His numbers are going to look good no matter what. Uh, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, Pascal Siakam and all these other players, like if you look at 
uh, Christoph Porzingis' numbers, they're the, they're the same. Um, Pascal's got uh, 20 and 7. He's averaging 20 and 7 or whatever. So is Christoph Porzingis. Porzingis is averaging 20 and 8. Like, and we see those two players as totally different players, right? So I think it's all about perception and narrative and things like that. You can't trade him right now. You have to wait. Uh, I would wait until, um, you know, I, I would wait until next offseason uh, or next deadline if you were to be interested in something like that when he's playing a little bit better. People aren't going to, you know, notice the back-to-backs and the things like that if he's averaging 25 and 11 or or whatever else he's he, he'd be averaging at that point. Then he would be at an all-star level player and people are going to perceive him different. They're going to be able to give up a lot more. The, the market is not... Uh, the same right now. It's not a very good market to sell. Um, you know, you could use a stock analogy if you want, but um, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, try to ride waves and they spend money and they buy high because they get all excited. All these people bought GameStop at three hundred dollars a share and uh, thought it was going to keep going up and up and up, and uh, it, then it dropped. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where you, on the other side of the thing, is like when your value is nothing, you cannot sell because that's when you lose. You don't lose unless you sell low. So we have to be patient here. Uh, I think the story was not even really factual. Uh, Mark Cuban and Rick Carlisle have both come out and said that there's nothing to it. I'm going to believe them in this instance because nothing gets leaked by the Mavericks ever. And usually when um, another team leaks it or somebody else leaks it, those things don't get through either. So, um, or that, that deal just never happens. We never saw the Christoph Porzingis deal uh, coming. It just happened out of the blue. So none of these rumors are going to happen. Um, and uh, if it does, if a trade does happen, it's going to be something that we never would have thought. So um, I don't believe anything yet. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying if it is true, it's foolish. And we need to be patient with this. And y'all want to come for Kristaps' head. But when his value is way higher, whether it's on this team or another team, you're going to be realizing how dumb you were for wanting to trade him right now. So, anyway, sorry for calling you dumb. But think about it a little harder. Now, let's get into... Luca for a second. I want to give him his praise. I do think he's becoming a very all-around good player. I do think he's an MVP candidate because um, there's a lot of great players out there, but he's got to win a little bit more to be an MVP candidate, obviously. He's got to be in the top four, in my opinion. You have to have a home court advantage in your division to be a candidate in my opinion, because that means that you put your team into a position to contend for a title. And, um, you know, it's a regular season award, but that matters. Being a top seed matters because it's very rare for a lower seed to win a championship. Um, I think that uh, he's improved his shooting is so much and he's improved his defense so much in a year where those were his biggest knocks and we have to give him his credit. Uh, I think he's, um, you know, developed his, his to the basket mid range and uh, three point shooting all three levels and his defense. The only thing really 
I think in his in his bag that he needs to improve is his uh, perimeter defense, and that um, is still not as bad as you think because his footwork is so good. So, um, yeah, you may need to hide him a little bit, but I do think that he could have a really good defensive team around him, and he's already proved that at the beginning of the year. So that's my little bit on Luka. I want to get into this game, though. Uh, I think... The Sixers got this. Uh, I hate to be a downer, but um, we just, I mean, we came off a back-to-back. We've had uh, one day off, and then we're playing this game. And um, it's this is just going to be our reality for the next uh, foreseeable future. Just backs-to-backs and a game off, and and that's it, you know. Um, The Sixers are the best team in the East. Joel Embiid is... um, rightfully so an MVP candidate. He had a stinker the other game, but I mean, every team's uh, best star has a stinker every once in a while. Ben Simmons was voted as an all-star as well. Um, And Tobias Harris should be an all-star. He's a 50-40-90 guy playing really efficient basketball, playing very well. Um, He will definitely light us up. Dorian Finney-Smith, his guy's work cut out for him there. And then you also have Seth Curry, who is um, for, I mean, I hate to say it, but... We thought we won that trade. I think we lost that trade. We'll see in the playoffs, but uh, if we get there. But uh, Curry's just playing really good basketball right now. Um, Hardaway's going to have to have a Hardaway, a good Hardaway night uh, to neutralize that um, Seth offense. And I hope they just go blow for blow. And we we really see a show uh, against the Sixers. The thing that I really want to watch, though, is Ben Simmons on Luka. I think Ben Simmons has been able to defend Luka fairly well um, in the past, and I think he's probably the best defensive matchup against Luka if there is one. Luka's still going to get his. Luka's best defender is himself. So I think that it just depends on the night that Luka's ready to give after a really emotional and amazing performance the night before. Maybe we see a bit of a hangover there. Um, So... I am concerned there. And then we just have zero persons that can compete against Joel Embiid. Uh, do we put Boban in there to tr- try to get some fouls in? Do we put, um, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein? We're not going to have Porzingis. We probably won't have Maxi, So it's going to be limited. Uh, Dwight Powell? <laughs> Please, no. Um, so Joel Embiid is going to have 90 points tonight. The rest of the team's... Probably going to have another, you know, 60 points. They're going to score a lot of points on us. Um, and we are going to probably struggle offensively because they're a good defensive team. Um, and they, uh, and we don't have the spacing with KP or Maxi out there to really let Luca do his, his work. So I am, we're going to have a, have to have, here's my key of the game. If we shoot above 40% from three and the Sixers shoot below 35%, that is the only way we win this game, hands down. If those two stats do not are not the both lower on their end and higher on our end, uh, we will not win the game. And um, if we do win the game, it will be because of that. So... That's my two cents on that. I'll be, you know, looking forward to watching the game at least. I, I'm not super confident, but, uh, 
you know, we're going to have to definitely need some three-point shooting and some Luka Magic to get through this one. And it's okay. I mean, we got we have the Brooklyn Nets next. So these two games are super important because we're going to be in some constant, constant back-to-backs. And it's going to be ugly. And we may drop a lot of games again. So uh, I hope that we can get through it. Hopefully we have fresh enough legs for that week off to be able to get through some of this. Um, I think we also need to call up some of our guys from the G League to, um, you know, G League All-Stars assemble back on the back on the Mavericks because we're going to need some help here. Uh, but that's going to be it for me tonight, guys. Uh, kind of a longer pod. I kind of wanted to just shorten it up now. Um, I really appreciate you all listening, uh, and I'll leave you with these messages. If you'd like to support this Mavs podcast, please Follow and tweet me at Kabam Sports and Kabam Media. I will be there with all the other Mavs fans tweeting about Dallas Mavericks basketball. Also, if you'd like to follow me on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star review. I'd greatly appreciate it. It gets the product out there for everyone to hear to talk Mavs basketball. I really appreciate all of you, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.